everybody. It's Wayne with Mark and Areed, and we are so excited that you've come to watch the Eat Community Podcast. We know you're going to enjoy it. We actually did it live originally on our Eat Community webinar series, which we also invite you to come to, but you will love this podcast that you're going to be listening to right now. We are live, everybody. I am in northern Colorado. I got to tell you, it's going to be 65 degrees Fahrenheit today, which would be about 17 C or so in the middle of the winter. Our normal highs today would be about 45. So I'm going to be outside a little bit later today, that's for sure, um, and mm -hmm. take advantage, work around the farm outdoors because it's beautiful. So I hope it's nice wherever you're at. I'm sure because people are all over the world. Last week we had crazy weather, snow in Portugal, snow on the beaches in Spain, which are where palm trees are. So, um, And then William was saying, I know he had a real cold spell. But yeah, anyway, um, I'm going to turn it over to William. All yours, man. I'm going to turn my webcam off so that I don't divert. And uh, please put questions in that question area. William usually takes a break in the middle. He'll he'll tell you when he wants to answer them. We'll make sure, Mark and I will make sure he gets them. And um, he is always willing to answer anything and everything that you guys have. So let's get going. <clears throat> okay, so I'll have the questions open actually here. So if somebody asks something and, and I see what's happening, you know, maybe I can answer as I go. Uh, okay, so if everybody can see this, uh, I'll, I'll just start. Uh, Don't ask the ones that everybody can see in the full screen, uh, William's screen, where it says reading the landscape. Yep, we're getting some ones. Daniel. Yep, yep, everybody, it's coming up. So will they see it? Your go, William. You're good. Okay, so um, this is. This is a complex subject, so I'll, I'll split this into two, and uh, we'll, for the second part, we'll have uh, uh, soil and, and, and vegetation. You'll, you'll see from the from the outline. Just give me a second. Something is uh, okay. No. Okay, so. Again, if you go to this page, you'll see the resources. I didn't put for today, but because this is two part, uh, I'll put the next time. I'll put the resources. Uh, there will be probably some useful links to books and, and, and websites and stuff. Okay, so we are here in the process. We are, you know, reading the landscape. We are in the design phase, and we went through the you know, research context and finding appropriate land. Last time we prepared a base map. And uh, I said that you know developing a base map is a starting point for a permaculture design. Uh, you know that's a that's a foundation that you create your design, but also uh, that base map has a, a contour map, and we'll be using that today. Uh, overall, we do a base map by combining the aerial or satellite photo and a topographic map into something that you can see on the right. Uh, base map, and that's you know what we were aiming for last time because that can tell us a lot about the terrain and everything that we, everything else that we have. 
you can put everything that you can see from satellite, you know, on this image, you can see the houses and everything, the roads, so that's, that's the base map. And we went through the three ways that we can do a base map, and I showed you the, the easiest one, the, the Google Earth and Google Maps, then using a graphic design software, and, and finally, survey of the site, a little bit more complex, but the point is, uh, we need a base map, especially for reading the landscape, because, you know, as you are reading the landscape, you can put uh, everything that you can, uh, you know, see by your eyes and everything that you can uh, interpret from the map, you'll see actually from the base map. Okay, so today we're going to talk about uh, the landscape and we're going to go through all these nine, maybe I'll add some more, but um, I know it's the landscape, but I'm also including the weather pattern because the weather pattern and the climate have you know, they, are, they have a huge impact uh, onto the landscape, so I'm also I'm also including that, but also because uh, uh, I like in this phase, in the phase of reading the landscape, create some interpretations, uh, and those interpretations are, you know, you'll see once we go to the first major six, we then go into interpretation mode where we are trying uh, to, you know, find different microclimates, different land systems, you're going to see what's that next time, but also sectors, and for the sector, sector map, we need um, to be aware of the energies that are coming outside the site, and outside the site means, you know, the weather pattern, uh, mostly, so I, I did include the weather pattern here as well, and uh, as I said, we're going to look at the whole picture. So the you know basic input of solar energy and water comes from you know the weather, actually comes from you know the climate. Uh, so the climate, weather, actually the sun, then the climate, and the weather as the expression of difference between uh, the energy that sun is giving to the earth. So we're going to consider uh, weather patterns, sun, wind, and precipitation, and also the landscape features as I defined them last time. That would be geographic features. Um, or you can call that topography, then geology, um, uh, type of the soil, and biome. And this image actually encompasses everything that I'll be talking and, and their interaction. Uh, I lost my mouse. All right. So, as I said, uh, you're looking at the whole picture, and when you are looking at the picture, uh, you can see that all the visible features of an area of the land, uh, that's the landscape. Uh, it includes the physical elements, like you know the mountains, hills, uh, water bodies, you know rivers, lakes, ponds, sea, uh, but it also includes the living elements of land covering, including you know vegetation. So you can say that the landscape is a group of different ecosystems, uh, each interacting with the atmosphere, earth, and, and you know bio, biota. Um, but we'll look also at you know what's above the ground. Uh, look at the weather. So I would say that then the landscape uh, we see is actually formed by interaction of uh, four factors. And that's you know the climate, uh, that's the rock, soil, and the living things, and the living things 
of course we need to include humans because humans are the keystone species the species is actually you know influencing everything on this earth so if there if there are no humans then the you know the landscape would be looking totally different and even this image that you're looking right now would be all uh, woodland but because of the human activity you know we have pastures and, and you know succession in different phases so we need also to include humans and when we are going to analyze the landscape we are going to look at the you know components uh, but rather than you know how scientists would be, do you know think, thinking in terms of uh, uh, how those things are not connected we are going to you know uh, see the components but uh, we're going to see how they interact as well in the second part of the webinar so each landscape is uh, a system it's a whole system uh, composed of different elements and those elements are uh, you could say geomorphical and as you can see on the image on the top left uh, that would include topography uh, you know ridges and, and gullies and saddles valleys and bedrock and everything but also environmental uh, that means you know water and vegetation and animals um, then climate as I said you know wind and frost and fog and humidity and everything uh, but also, uh, as I said, we need to include humans with their you know, houses, roads, walls, and fences. But in this presentation, I won't be focusing that much on you know, human elements rather than just, okay, so here is the landscape, here is the site, uh, rather than interpreting nature. I think that you know, uh, we can easily interpret the human infrastructure that is built on that landscape. So I'll be focusing on mainly those three. And in you know, reading the landscape, we're going to uh, we're going to you know use different let's say methodologies, and those are you know observation. Observation would mean just uh, observing and not uh, actually doing active you know surveys. On the other side, you have survey where you uh, are actively involved into investigating, uh, you know, different components of the site. And we are also going to use some tools, uh, web tools, for doing observation of the weather patterns as well. So you know, there are even I didn't put in this uh, presentation, but there are uh, different apps that people maybe I can do that next time that you use in your observation, in your surveys, but this is the methodology that we'll be using. Okay, so the first one is the, you know, are the weather patterns. And uh, here, um, you know, weather is, is a complex thing, uh, it influences everything, but um, uh, we, you know, categorize weather in, in a, to the degree that we say it's hot or cold, wet or dry, calm or stormy, uh, clear or cloudy, but uh, all weather actually exists because of the sun and, of course, the unique position of Earth, you know, in space. But uh, weather is driven by uh, the 
air pressure, temperature, and, and, and moisture differences between one place and another. And as I said, those differences exist because of the sun, uh, because of the sun, to be exact, of the sun's angle at any particular spot, uh, which varies then, of course, from the you know, tropics to the, to the more polar regions. And that's why we have the weather, that's why we have the water cycle. So I would say that understanding sun is, you know, understanding how sun behaves is the first step we need to be aware of in the, in our observation of landscape. You know, the sun is uh, the main influence on climate, climate, you know, over, you know, climate, or uh, weather over time is climate, and, you know, weather is, when we say weather, we mean like current or, you know, next few days. Uh, so, I would say that the first step that uh, anybody should be aware of on their site and in reading the landscape is, you know, the, the, the sun position, the solar axis. And that means, you know, how, how many hours of sun is your site getting? Uh, you know, how, did, how this is changing throughout the year? And what are the sunshade patterns and, you know, solar elevation angle, as I said, throughout, throughout the year? And to find this, you can use I found this is actually an image from a from a, a website that I used in you know my design and in my reading the landscape that you can put uh, your location and then the date and then you'll see like exactly on the map how the sun behaves uh, you know what's the elevation and what's the solar elevation angle and you know what are the different uh, different paths. Uh, of the sun on your site, and I won't go on the website, uh, but you can use the sun calc if you need. But there is also, um, uh, you know, smartphone apps, and uh, there is one called Sun Seeker. Then you can use while you're on your site to, uh, you know, uh, turn the you, you turn your smartphone uh, over. You know, uh, over the landscape, and then you can see exactly where the sun will go or is going, you know, where the sun path is. That's pretty useful when you're on the site and you are trying to decide where to position. You know, is this a good place for the garden? You know, how is the sun behaving in winter, in in spring, and in summer? So, those great those two tools are great for um, for uh, understanding how the sun behaves. Because, as I said, the sun is the primary source of energy on the site, and you know you just simply need to understand how the sun, you know, what's the sun pattern. Uh, then next is you know understanding uh, how the wind behaves, and uh, you know what kind of winds are coming from which direction when they are happening. You know what type of winds are dominant throughout the season, uh, what types. Are you know uh, blowing uh, and from where, and uh, also understanding you know how rain comes. Where does the rain come from, and um, what are the weather patterns? And I can show you here. I'll just uh, show you the website that I'm I'm talking about. Uh, okay, so if everybody can. If people can see this, uh, tell me if you can. Uh, 
Okay, so this is the website I was talking uh, when you're trying to understand the weather patterns. Uh, so here you can, you know, think you can you can change between you know wind and clouds and temperature. So basically, let's say that you know you are on your site, you want to see how the weather patterns are behaving, you know, even even for you know a few days, but uh, few days in advance. But I would say most importantly, how are they currently behaving? So you can connect that with what's happening on your site. So you know you can see here in this image that uh, wind is coming from the south. So if you're on, on your site, you can then see what's the general weather pattern that is bringing that uh, that is bringing that wind. And then you can also switch. You know what are what are what are the clouds? How the clouds are looking and and and, and uh, the pressure also. So we understand. Uh, instantaneously what's happening uh, with your weather so this is this is a, this is a great website uh, that I, I've been using uh, just for a, for a daily observation uh, just for a daily observation of, of my weather all right so let's see so that's what I'm trying to convey here is you know when you're looking at landscape the first thing is, you know, understanding the weather pattern. So when you're looking at the image like this, okay, so obviously it's a clear day, but let's say, you know, uh, that the wind is blowing from, from the east and you then understand uh, what that wind means. You understand that maybe that wind is going to bring rain. So you, you, you start to understand that the, the already what, what is the, you know, what is the landscape, uh, why is the landscape shaped like it is and, and What's actually happening with the basic input of energy that's coming from the sun? And here I would, you know, most importantly, what you would need to be aware of uh, is, you know, the extreme weather events. Uh, you know, that means, you know, what's happening during the heavy rain and thunderstorm, and what's happening during drought, during the flood, and during the fire. And not exactly going out when it's the fire, but you know, understanding, you know, what, what does the extreme weather look like? Um, that's especially that's going to be especially important because for your design and your setup uh, to understand these patterns. So uh, one is you know understanding daily patterns, and one is understanding patterns that are extremely uh, the extreme weather patterns that are happening also. All right. So next uh, we'll be you know looking at uh, terrain. Let me see if there are any questions. I can't see. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'll just move. I'll see later the questions. Okay. All right. I'll just move. Okay. So the next is terrain, and um, that's why I said that um, your base map is important because we'll be looking at your base map to understand your terrain first looking at the map and then looking at uh, your site so when you're looking at uh, uh, this map you want to be able to you know understand what the contour lines on this map the contour lines are marking in green in green and those simply means those lines are elevation lines and elevation can be marked you know in, in 5 10 20 meters you know we talked last time about it 
and uh, you wanna from 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 these contour lines you wanna uh, be able to you know analyze what your terrain is telling you and we uh, I'm going to explain you six main features that you can see from from a map like this and the first one will be uh, seeing the, the steep slope understanding how the sl steep slope is marked on the map and you see here it's marked uh, with, with red the closer the contour lines are the steeper the slope so this is the per the, that's the first thing that uh, you can you can clearly see from a, from a from a topographic map then of course the hill uh, hill is uh, marked contour lines forming uh, concentric circles and you know that's easy to recognize then you know from the hilltop the ground slopes in all directions and you can see that you know with the, with the numbers that are marked um, on the map then one of the prominent features is also a, a saddle uh, and the saddle would be a deep uh, or low point between two areas of high ground uh, on, on, on the on the map on the topographic map is usually it's marked with the hourglass appearance so that would be a saddle the next one would be uh, the ridge and the ridge is uh, the highest point in the landscape you know uh, the, the landform is divided you know if you have hilly you know or mountainous landscape then that landform or land, that landscape is divided into ridges and valleys the ridges are the highest point the valleys are you know the areas in between and the point lines that are forming a ridge, uh, they are tending, you know, they tend to be U or V shaped, and the closed uh, end of the contour line points away from high ground. And for the uh, for the valley, uh, the valley is uh, also U or V shaped, uh, but the closed end of the contour line points toward high ground. And uh, I'm going to show you, you know, once in the field. You know this will make more sense, but it's critical to understand the, the, the topographic map because that you can see what's happening on the map, what's the map showing you, and then connect that with uh, with what's actually happening on the site. And then we have a depression uh, that has a contour lines uh, that have tick marks pointing toward low ground. That would be completely similar to hill, uh, but the contour lines would be actually you know decreasing you know as you go uh, inwards. And that usually marks, you know, a sinkhole, a hole in, a hole in the ground, depending on, um, uh, depending, you know, how deep it is. So once again, let's say, you know, just looking at, this is just a, a, a map of, of my property, you know, the, the, the base map, and I marked here, you know, certain features. So they are not as distinct as you would, you know, like on a, on a topographic map, but you can see clearly that there is a depression here, and I marked it. And then there is sort of valley on the on the top of the map, and then you know okay, obviously there is a prominent ridge on the right. So that's what I'm saying. That's what you know. That's the level of what you need or what you want to understand from the map, because then later on you go out. And this is another map, and I found this from Darren Doherty, and uh, here he marked uh, the valleys in in blue and the ridges in in pink. And he just connected, uh, connected uh, what you know. He just connected different valleys and different ridges. That's then you know critical for later 
when you're designing, let's say, key point dams and, and other features, putting where you're going to design your uh, irrigation uh, pipes and everything. So you want to first study your topographic map, confirm that it's going on the site itself, and based on that you can you know you can design and set up because then you can say okay now I have a, a pretty good understanding of what's what's my terrain telling me okay so I would say that you know looking at this image the first the first thing that once you're on 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 a site uh, you just need to make distinction so is my landscape is it, is it part of the plains? Is it kind of the plains? Am I in the plains? But mountains are, you know, on both sides. Uh, is my uh, landscape uh, full of hills, or is that some kind of tablelands? So that's kind of the first, the first distinction when you're looking at your landscape. Uh, so you can clearly, like I mark, which so when you're looking, okay, so you can say, okay, this is a valley, this is a ridge. This is well. This is a ridge, so you have understanding of you know how the terrain looks like. And uh, the second thing I would be looking at is you know how the slopes are behaving, how steep they are. Are there you know gentle slopes and steep slopes? That's just a general understanding of geomorphology of, of the terrain. And then also I would be looking at you know what where are my slopes facing? You know, west slope, west facing slopes, south facing slopes. And you know, east facing. You know, where are they? You know, how are they positioned uh, in an aspect to the sun? Um, so those three, those three things. So when you're looking, look at where are the ridges, where are the valleys, uh, where are the steep slopes, where are the gentle slopes, and you know, west facing, south facing, uh, east facing slopes. So I understand, you know, what, how is your terrain oriented also in space. All right. So the next next would be uh, rocks. So the rocks are you know, the basis for everything because um, once you understand rocks, you can understand hydrology, geology, and you know pedology and everything. And ultimately, it's the nature of the rock that has then effect on the soil, then has then effect on the vegetation. So essentially, by understanding rocks, you can you can kind of make an educated guess what kind of vegetation you you'll have uh, once you know also you know in which climate you're you're in. So that's why I'm emphasizing you know the weather and climate as well in understanding your landscape. So uh, I'm going to you know I'm a geologist, so I could say that I'm biased. You know, in in my love for geology, but uh, I would say that you have to understand that you know the landscape that you have today is a result primarily of the tectonic forces that are shaping or shape that landscape. So you have primary you know tectonic activity, and then you have your you know ridges and valleys and everything, and then you know by erosion is doing its work and you know slowly eroding and, and changing that landscape, but the difference is, you know, difference between Australia, which is a very stable continent, and you know, let's say Rocky Rocky Mountains, easing that tectonic forces that were shaping or are shaping uh, the landscape. Uh, 
And geology is important because um, that gives us the understanding of rocks. And rocks are the spine of the landscape. You know, if you want to understand your landscape, you, you know, it's not necessary that you need to, but it's good to understand what type of rocks are underneath. And essentially, you know, I won't you know give you academic le lecture here, but I would say that there are three types of rocks that are constantly recycled uh, very slowly, but they are. So, uh, although they are hidden from outside most of the time, they have a huge impact on landscape. But for you, what I would say, you don't have to be a geologist. You just need to know that uh, the rocks are expressing, you know, having influence on landscape in three main ways. And the first one is that you know the harder rocks will uh, uh, will make will make hills, and the softer rocks will make valleys. And this is the direct consequences of the geological force that I was saying, and the weathering. Now, the general, we generally find the softer rocks uh, in in the fault lines where you know the rock gets crumbled and then transported by water, and then it forms a valley. So um, you know the valley ridge, the valley ridge topography. Uh, uh, is you know exaggerated by by the erosion force and the fault lines, and some rocks uh, will hold water, some you know will uh, not, and or the water will behave totally different. And uh, um, for example, you know if you have your limestone as a bedrock, you'll have a you know you'll have a, a, a underground rivers, and you know you'll have uh, water behaving. Uh, Rather interesting, interestingly, than uh, let's say if you have uh, some other, if you have granite rock or something, and then then it itself has a huge influence on the landscape because then you have you know you have your sinkholes, you have uh, rock falls, everything you know uh, it's the landscape is totally different, exaggerated by the climate uh, than you're in, and the third most most important way it's expressed is that the some uh, rocks uh, will make uh, soil that is poor in nutrients, but some will make soil that is rich. So, for example, the volcanic rocks are very rich in nutrients, and you know uh, 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 most of the Australian ancient, uh, highly weathered rocks uh, are not. So that's why I say that in understanding, in understanding rocks, uh, you will. Uh, have a good idea of what you can uh, actually expect when it comes to your vegetation and uh, your soil and your vegetation. All right, so uh, I'll do this and then you know we'll stop for a second. Uh, I would say that uh, uh, when you're looking at you know when you're trying uh, to understand your landscape from a geology perspective, um, I would say that the best thing would be to find rocky outcrops. And here uh, I'm you know, pointing out uh, some ideas for finding rocky outcrops. And you can actually, you know, uh, on, the, on, the, on the right, the arrow on the right is pointing towards the uh, you know, rocky outcrop. And what I would do, you know, I would, I would go to these places, uh, find rocky outcrops, and also uh, there is a telltale signs of, you know, what rocks 
are in the landscape if you look at uh, what type of uh, you know buildings are there, uh, what are people building, and uh, what materials they are using. And as you can see, this fence, you know, this this uh, uh, rocky fence is uh, is probably done from uh, the rock uh, from the you know rock that is underlaying the landscape. So that's a, you, you don't even if you don't have you know rocks, rocky outcrops, you'll still have you know some idea uh, by finding this this type of you know signs. So that's what I would do in this kind of landscape. You know, I would just you know I would just walk, and I would look at you know where are my rocky outcrops. I would go to the rocky outcrop, and then I would you know I would take that rock, and I wouldn't you know even me as a geologist. If I came to this kind of landscape, and I, if I even if I took a rock, probably I wouldn't know what kind of rock it is, uh, because you know rocks are complex, and you know they can be all kind of things, and uh, uh, I would have an idea. Maybe you know, okay, so this is sedimentary, this is you know metamorphic, or this is igneous rock, uh, but you know most likely that rock would be totally you know um, probably change into something you know into something different, and. Uh, I would be only concerned, you know. I would be only concerned by, you know, is this, you know, are these rock crumbly? Are these rock, you know, poor or, or, or you know, not not having enough nutrients? Or is this kind of, is this, you know, limestone or is something else that is telling me, um, you know, probably, you know, how my uh, uh, water will be, you know, behaving underground? So that's what I, you know, uh, I'm trying to convey here. The, the message here is that probably you'll have uh, soil over your rock, but as you can see in this type of uh, uh, this type of uh, this type of map here, that you'll probably have you know rocky outcrops that you can find and then analyze and see you know what's happening. All right, so I might take some questions. I can't find my. Are you not are you not seeing it there, William? I can tell you what you, you've had some. Um, is it was it windytv.com that you used for the weather? Is that correct? Because that's what we said. Yes. We yeah. Okay. Okay. So this is this is the website. It's Windy TV, and actually, you know, it, 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 I think it works on the engine of Earth now. I think it's called. And but this gives you actually, you know, you can see, you know, you can see the pressure. You can see the clouds. You can see basically everything. Uh, currently, what's happening currently? You know, and and uh, uh, pressure, rain, and <clears throat> even waves and everything. So it's wind TV, windy TV. Cool. All right. And then um, another question is: You talked about a Sunseeker app. Did you have? The, yeah. Did you give the name for that? Uh, it's uh, it's Sunseeker when uh, Sunseeker app for the smartphone and it's SunCalc uh, calc for the uh, on a website. Okay, so you go on the Sun. Okay, and you can see here if you are seeing my screen, you can put in your your location and then based on the date you want. Okay, the date is now. You can see exactly. You know if you zoom in. <clears throat> you can see exactly. Let's say that this is your address. You can see then exactly how the sun, how the sun is actually behaving uh, uh, 
you know what's the what's the what's the sun path awesome yeah that was a question um, guys throw us some other questions in um, Mike says that the graphic of the limestone is awesome by the way I don't know why your your screen and maybe it's just my computer today your 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 graphics have just really great clarity I don't know they're really looking good <clears throat> mm -hmm. so um, any other questions you guys before William keeps moving on Don't be shy. Takes him a second to type. So, mm -hmm. I don't have much. I have, a, let's say, water, and then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the water a little bit. Uh, but basically, that's it. And you know, maybe more questions. And in the next next webinar, I'll have uh, I'll have. Uh, actually, interpreting all because this is all kind of we are. Taking uh, taking a look at just different components, but then in the next webinar we'll be looking how they're interacting and you know what the ecosystems are telling us, you know how the ecosystems are expressed and everything. So <clears throat> you do have a here's a couple more questions. One from Frank Sakshi Sakshi. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you recommend tools like Solar Pathfinder. Um, so. Solar Pathfinder, okay, okay. Do you know that one? Is no, that, no. Is that one? <clears throat> well, I, I think I, the one he just told you guys about, Solar Calc or Sun Calc, excuse me, is yeah. one that does the same kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then here's a great question from Brian: Will the rock affect the soil and then affect the type of plants that will work or that will grow? I think he's of course. Oh, you know the the to uh, the First, you, you have the rocks, and uh, everything in the beginning was rocks, and then you had, you know, your 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 weather, your climate, and then the moisture, and then, you know, uh, as the ecological uh, succession goes, you first have, you know, uh, uh, tiny, you know, microscopic organisms, which actually, you know, eat the, the, the rock and create uh, soil, and then, uh, so the, ultimately, the soil is the expression of the rock, and the vegetation is the expression of the soil. So you can actually track that back to the to the uh, to the rock. But also the climate. The biggest influence on vegetation, on you know microscopic scale, is the climate. Okay. So if you don't have any rain, you won't have any trees. You'll have a desert. If you have a lot of rain, uh, you know you'll have a, a rainforest. For example, if it's, if that is in the tropical, so ultimately is climate is the the, the most important factor. Uh, it's you know influencing uh, the the weather patterns and the the rocks and uh, and how the rocks are being processed. But then uh, you have slight modification of the climate by the type of the rock and by the type of uh, uh, how the actually terrain is shaped. What are the aspects? So, uh, rocks have, because let's say, for example, in Croatia, we have limestone on our coast and we have limestone in our mountains, and you have totally different vegetation because uh, on, on, the, on the coast, uh, it's Mediterranean climate, which means that there is no much rain during the, during the summer. So, you have totally different vegetation than in the mountains that has a lot of rain. Uh, so, totally different vegetation would be growing, uh, would be growing. On the same type of rock because of the climate, 
but if you have the same climate and different type of rocks, you'll have a slightly different vegetation because of that uh, change in, in the rock material, parent, parent rock material. Well, just real quickly, William, some of you guys have come to some of my um, presentations, and if you're members of Eat Elite, you can get the replays of this, but go back to the ecological aquaculture course that I did, and I live in a valley where the climate is similar on both sides in the valley, but the rock is completely different. It is granitic, metamorph metamorphic on one side of the valley, and it's sedimentary on the other, and the vegetations are dramatically, the vegetation is dramatically different between those two mm. sides mm. Um, mm. because of the rock difference, and it's right in the same climatic and it's, geographic. It's, yeah, it's, so this I'm saying, if, if the climate is the same, then the rock will have, you know, the rock and of the moisture, you know, certain microclimates is also is then influencing uh, the, the type of vegetation. So Frank clarified his question, William, about um, what he was calling solar pathfinder. He said, "Is do you know of anything that will determine annual exposure to the sun?" And I don't know if that means how many days of sunshine. I mean, I, there are stats of that everywhere you go, but I don't know if there's a, a no, micro no. tool or device that will help with that. No, no, no. I wouldn't know that. Yeah, doesn't sound like it, Frank. Maybe you can find one for us, buddy, and then share it with us. That would be great. Well, William, that was all I've got for questions right now. Why don't you keep moving, and then you guys think about more questions. There's a lot of you out there, and, and so when William's done, he'll answer some more. So all right. Going, I'll just go. All right. So uh, we'll just move uh, to the water. And you know, water is extremely important, and uh, I'll be you know I'll be focusing I'll, I'll be talking about water, and, and basically that's it uh, for today. And as I said, you know the water is uh, the environmental factor, and that uh, and we have water because of our climate and you know because of our weather. So water is uh, you know uh, the big landscape of component because uh, uh, it, its force is shaping the environment and this is uh, another you know bit of a picture of, of uh, Plitvice Lakes in Croatia and this is the limestone and exactly the same limestone on the coast would be totally you know barren with, with, with different vegetation but here there, there is a lot of precipitation uh, uh, throughout the year and because the limestone is soluble rock uh, chemically soluble rock, you have all these, you know, maybe you've seen, maybe you didn't, but, you know, all these different river paths and everything. So the water is uh, a forest to be reckoned with, and uh, and for us, what it means that is uh, we need to be aware of, you know, where the water is coming from, uh, where does it, you know, where is it held, and uh, then where does it go. And uh, Again, you know, I showed you different, you know, for 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 the uh, sun, uh, for the climate and the weather. It's it's the kind of of the sun, you know. Sun has its own, let's say, uh, sun is forcing its cycle with you know with everything. So we have uh, thanks to the sun, we have the water cycle, and uh, uh, what I would like you to you know. Uh, be aware of here. We are going to focus on on, on, on three main components. Uh, 
in, in this lesson is that's you know the precipitation you get how does the surface runoff uh, behaves or look like and I'm going to talk about the groundwater uh, as well and uh, I would say the first thing in uh, understanding you know your water cycle how water actually behaves and, and everything is uh, the thing that I said that uh, um, influences you know how the climate how the vegetation is expressed due to climate and that's the average annual rainfall and that's measured in millimeters and uh, that will give you an idea uh, how much water you're getting uh, as I said you know no water means there's a lot of water means uh, rainforest so uh, it is the, the the availability of water that is actually also controlling you know in combination with rocks uh, with types of rocks and, and geography that is uh, controlling the, the actual the ecosystems and the vegetation. So I say the first thing you need to understand is uh, what is your average annual rainfall, and this is important because then you know based with that data. And once you know where your where your site is located in the watershed, you'll have some idea, you know, of, of how much water is actually coming through your site. Uh, I won't go actually in uh, in uh, detailing how to find, you know, how to uh, how to actually uh, look where your watershed is, how to define its boundaries. But I'm going to say that you know each piece of land actually belongs to watershed and uh, watershed if you don't know what watershed is that's that's an area of of a land that actually drains runoff from from you know rain or snow downhill uh, from highest geo geographical point uh, and uh, those uh, boundaries of watersheds are you know hills and ridges and mountains and that then you know you have rainwater that's actually rainfall that's dropping onto the landscape, uh, the landscape, the water under influence of gravity goes down and uh, it's totally different uh, where your house is located in, you know, you, you need to be aware of, you know, where, where your site is located within that watershed uh, because if you're high, you know, in the watershed, you'll have a small flow of water. Uh, if you're low in the watershed, you, you'll have lots of water coming to your site. So I would say the first is, you know, what's your annual precipitation, what's your annual average rainfall, and then where is your site located in, uh, in the watershed. As I'm going to uh, go into the water part of the, you know, the, the design, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll be actually explaining how to, you know, how to uh, find where your watershed boundaries are, and we'll, you know, I'll, I'll show an example. This is just for you to understand that you know, you know uh, wherever you are, even if you're in a flatland, uh, you are part of a watershed, and uh, that watershed can be you know huge or small, but and that depends on how much water is going to flow. So as you're going to see from this image, uh, you know, let's say that your house is on the top of that hill. If it's on the top of that hill, then you essentially you don't have any watershed because all the rain that falls, you know, that falls on that on that ridge, actually goes you know in all direction down, leaving you without anything. So your watershed can be there only your uh, your roof, can be your you know water collection area. But if your house is down in the valley, 
like it's you know uh, like it's here on the image uh, then everything that is you know above the ground everything that is actually going you know up the mountain and you know who knows this actually house in this valley uh, probably has a huge watershed and that watershed can be you know maybe you know running for 100 kilometers up the hill you know through these through these valleys in between the ridges and this you know base, basically if you have a house here then uh, as I you know as I told you that you should be let's say for example observing extreme weather winds then you can see probably that a hundred year flood would actually flood the whole valley uh, because of, uh, of how much water is uh, collected in the watershed and then channeled through this valley so in that occasion probably it would be better to have a house on top of the hill um, but then you wouldn't have any watershed so you'll see later in the infrastructure when we'll be talking about the infrastructure that the best location for the house is actually you know halfway up the hill you know you have you know you have safety from flood but you also have some kind of watershed you know above you okay so when we are talking you know okay so we went through the precipitation went through the watershed and then let's now talk about the groundwater and um, water the groundwater occurs in rocks underneath so uh, we have different rock types for each different rock type there is a there is a slightly different how the water will be you know how the groundwater will behave so let's say if you have well sorted sand uh, the water will be, you know, uh, the water will be totally uh, different. The water table will be totally different than, let's say, in uh, in the limestones, because in the limestones you have all these currents and, and hallways and whatever, and the water is behaving totally different. Let's say in the granite is is mostly focused, uh, it's more mostly accumulated in the fractures, uh, in the faults. So uh, it behaves totally different in three types of rocks. That's why I say that, you know, once you understand what types of rocks you have have a better understanding of you know how your groundwater behaves uh, what type of soil you have and you know eventually what type of vegetation so as you can see let's say on, on the lower right image uh, that would be you know some kind of uh, you have you have your you, you have your uh, water bearing you know, water holding uh, uh, layer in between the, these two impervious uh, rocks and uh, that would be let's say you can imagine that's that's a, that's some kind of granite or some kind of fall, uh, so that would be kind of your underground groundwater and how your groundwater would, would be uh, quite different than let's say for example on the on the on the uh, lower left image where you have um, where you have like a water table and let's say we can imagine we can imagine that's that's some kind of gravel, so. Here's you know how to think about it. So when you have rain, so the rain uh, will fall on the ground, okay? So and after the you know after the requirements of plants and soil are satisfied, for example, if it was a really dry period, then you know first you know, the, the the soil and the plants will you know drink a lot of water, and then any excess water actually go, goes will infiltrate below to the water table, okay? So and below the water table actually all the openings in the rocks are full of water okay? and then that water moves through the aquifer to the streams or lakes or you know if you have well then to the well uh, 
but there is a zone between between the land surface and the you know groundwater and the aquifer that is actually we call unsaturated zone, and that unsaturated zone uh, there is usually you know not you know there is water but maybe some pores but not much mostly it's you know it's air if it's you know healthy soil, and you know after you know then that's why you can see that sometimes your soil is waterlogged. Uh, for example, if there is a lot of if there is a lot of rain and the raindrops, then uh, that unsaturated zone also becomes a saturated zone as your water table is actually you know, ri you know rising up and um, comes you know close to the land surface. So that's what's happening. You know you have a significant zone. Uh, the uh, all the plants are all the soil is actually has drank up all the water it needs. It you know percolates down to the water table, but as it keeps on falling, then the water table is just you know, rising, rising into the unsaturated zone as well. And that's why you don't have waterlogged water soil. Um, and, you know, when you're looking at your landscape, we actually can't tell what, you know, where exactly, uh, where the groundwater is exactly, uh, unless, you know, we drill a well um, and look, you know, for the occurrences in the landscape itself. So, um, What's happening here? There is okay. So uh, I would say that you know once you on the site uh, looking, you know looking for water, you should be looking at uh, you know occurrences, and those occurrences can be uh, small. Uh, well, it's not small, but seeps. Okay, seeps would be something uh, they would tell us something about the groundwater. Uh, so that's a seep is a place where. Uh, uh, that's a moist or wet place where water uh, and you know it's usually underground water reaches the earth's surface uh, from the underground aquifer and the seep uh, is uh, not a spring uh, because a seep usually refers to something that has not enough uh, flow to occur as a spring okay so that would be the first that would be the first sign of you know okay so the, this is uh, water is occurring here that's something telling me about you know uh, Type of rocks I have, and you know where where, uh, where the fractures in the rocks are, or, or something, you know. So that would be the first step. The second one would be, of course, spiral. You know, that's obvious. Finding a spring, and uh, there are different types of springs that you know. Usually, the, the the smallest one are the fracture springs that you know discharge from faults, joints, or you know different types of you know holes in the earth. They are just, you know, that's water under pressure that is actually following, uh, following um, some cracks and, you know, and and finding uh, points of weakness in the rock and actually coming out. But from another side, you can have, uh, let's say, something that's called tubular springs, where water flows from underground caverns, and that can be, you know, extremely. Uh, that spring can be extremely, uh, let's say, big in water terms. How much water it can discharge. So it's you know, if it's a big flow coming from underground, that's I would say that you know it's probably uh, limestone rock. If it's a smaller in you know, a seep or a smaller spring, I would say it's kind of probably some kind of granite of or different kind of uh, uh, different kind of metamorphic rock that have cracks. Um, and I would say that the easiest way to spot you know a small spring is. Um, by a, by a strip of grass that is this is brighter green than the surroundings and it's stretching from the point where you know the spring is coming out 
and you know and where is it flowing and in summer is usually greener because you know the grass is continuously moist but in winter it's also greener because you know dynamic water uh, is a little bit warmer than a cold winter uh, in the, the snow and everything and the grass can grow uh, although it's cold and uh, so that those would be those two things but I would also you know uh, uh, encourage you to look at you know the lakes the ponds and lakes. Okay, so the ponds are usually you could say the ponds are usually man-made structures, but it, they don't have to be, you know, uh, because uh, if a pond is deep, is dug out and it's uh, actually continuously, uh, continuously, uh, uh, let's say full or you know a little bit, you know, wearing with with the weather cycles, uh, then. There is a possibility that that pond has a, a, a gravel, you know, uh, it's not gravel bedrock, but gravel in the underground, and then that's that that's the feeding, and the water table is close to the ground, so that's why that pond is full. But you can see that, you know, obviously from from the shape, but the lower right image is actually a, a, a pond or a lake in in a, in a gravel pit and uh, gravel pit is nearby the river and because uh, the river banks and the whole river plain is full of, of gravel then the underground actually water from the river reaches here and you have that water table so you know with, with simply by understanding few uh, understanding rocks understanding uh, 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 of course I'm a geologist I'm a hydrogeologist by trade so uh, I'm trained to see these things, uh, but uh, they're just a, a, a more like a testimony to um, finding, even if you are going to college or university or something, uh, finding a trade that you know can help you in uh, living your, uh, let's say, permaculture dream. Because geology is now helping me understand rocks and understand hydrogeology, and you know I neglected for a long time. <coughs> I neglected biology but now I'm into biology and, and of course in, into weather as well so it's a whole you know it's a holistic science you can say it's permaculture and each of the subjects that I was talking you can actually you know explore for the rest of your lives um, but that's why I'm saying here you actually don't need to understand let's say in details everything rather just uh, what that means for you what that means in uh, what are the consequences of those rocks in terms of uh, what you want to do and how those how is how is that influencing your site and what you want to do so the next thing you want to you know when you on a site so, okay so first we look at the what are the sources of water the next thing would be you know what are what how is the water flowing so are there you know how is that water passing through the site you have like a small brooks uh, or creeks or river and I said uh, I said that that is going to be the function of uh, your watershed so that's why I said it's extremely important to understand where are you where you are located in, in the watershed so we have you know we have something that I didn't know but you know we have small brooks that would be you know something that's really really you know really small but still flowing and then you know some kind of uh, some kind of creeks uh, streams or and then rivers and um, 
that's also the hydrology of that is also important uh, to understand because uh, you'll see in the next step uh, the, this will uh, this is the force that is actually shaping your site okay and okay so finally I would say that uh, you know it's also so we we seen so where is the water coming from you know where is the sources of water how is that water flowing but here I would also encourage you to study the the, the water drainage pattern okay of the site so um, so when is when you have rain um, where is that water you know how is that water actually behaving uh, you know is it is it flowing you know quickly and causing uh, erosion or it actually you know flows slowly and stagnates and uh, actually forms bogs, you know, you know, waterlogged soil, or is it uh, forming, you know, some kind of lakes? Um, you know, how it's flooded, and uh, you can look for those uh, those signs. Those are the kind of okay. So the the water is not flowing anymore. So it's already uh, caused something and you know, kind of uh, uh, being a detective and uh, seeing um, what that water has actually done, what's the, the erosion, uh, erosion consequence, what's the pattern of, of that drainage. So as you can see on the top right image, um, this is when I was trying to find uh, um, an image for erosion, uh, I found this one. This is a thing from uh, Madagascar somewhere they have huge erosion due to uh, deforestation and as you can see okay so they have huge numbers of rain and once there is no vegetation once you have erosion happening then it just keeps on you know being bigger and bigger and you can that's what I'm saying once you're on the site uh, when you have to uh, look at those erosion channels and you know you, then you'll know what the history of the site actually is in a sense that okay so uh, maybe this site is flooding heavily. Uh, maybe you know there is no signs of any flood. Um, this area is boggy. This area is dry. So all that is kind of uh, uh, being a part of um, study of your site. Okay, and we will talk next time. We'll talk about the soil and vegetation and, and microclimates and sectors and, and different ecosystem land systems. Uh, but this is uh, for for this time uh, for this session. And this is basically it. And I'm happy to answer your questions if there are any. Yeah, there are. Um, one, again, you, you may not remember this, but back in one of your earlier, I think it was the image right after you started, Robert asked, what's the name of the river that's in the image? Did you know that? He was, it was the really beautiful one with all the, the, the ponds and you know riverways and a very deep canyon-y sort of picture. Oh, that's on that's on on the Plitzer Lakes. Uh, that's I think that he was talking about that one. Let me let me see what he was talking about. Is that that this one? I, that's the one I believe. We'll see if he can. He's usually really good about getting back. I believe this is that. It's that one. Yeah. I don't know which um, is what what river exactly is this because there are, there are many rivers in there you know canyons and everything uh, and and lakes it's called Plitzer Lakes so probably all those uh, all those lakes are accumulated into river that actually flows from there I, I'm not sure what exactly the river 
uh, name is. He says that yes, Dobra. that was the image. So that's probably that's Dobra. Good, I, think. I think it's, it's ah. Dobra. Mm -hmm. And then Frank clarified that he actually was when he was saying Solar Pathfinder that actually is a program. However, okay. however he says it's pretty pricey, and he uh -huh. had said before that what it does is is gives amounts of, um, well, you know, certain different um, how to determine placement for solar panels, greenhouses, okay. gardens, mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah. Um, so that and so he was. And then he says maybe we can buy one and share it amongst ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's one of the wonderful things that we hope you can do through this community. Everybody is go into the the eat free or elite eat Facebook pages or write on comments on the web page you know ask for those kinds of things and describe tools you might have yourself that you might be able to loan to others and all that that could be really helpful um, and then Mary asked and I think you answered this one but you can get um, you, you can get Sun I think well oh, I thought it was a question but she says you can get Sun calc for the Android not just for the computer. So uh, no, I guess hey. that looks like a comment from her, from Mary Lee. Yeah. And then here's a question. Can the natural minerals found in groundwater have a beneficial or negative effect on vegetation after being filtered through different types of stone rock, etc.? That comes from Keith. Well, I would say that uh, depends of course it all depends on what type of rocks you have because some rocks are not soluble in water okay so uh, and then if they're not soluble in water uh, that means that uh, water is then just eroding the rocks and you know taking those little bit tiny minerals and then depositing that somewhere so okay so if that's happening then obviously the the, the deposit is now in the form of you know riverbed or sand or something and then you know you have vegetation growing growing on that so obviously vegetation would be benefiting if the rocks is let's say if the rocks was all volcanic and full of phosphorus or something for example the limestone rock is soluble in water and uh, but the water then is uh, <laughs> Uh, the water is clear, okay, because there are not no small little you know gravels. So water is always clear, but it's not as rich in, in minerals as it probably would be if there you know underlying rock is some kind of volcanic rock that's then transported. So it all depends on what type of rock we are talking about. If the rock is actually rich, then you know of course the the, the vegetation will benefit. Maybe you know, uh, maybe at that point, or maybe downstream, where that you know, little crumbly rocks get deposited. Super. By the way, I'm curious. This is my question. Um, I live in an area where our both our groundwater and our surface water, because of groundwater being the source, are really affected by our sandstone vegetation. And historically, um, it's it's been stated that you don't typically find nitrogen that has been stored in the um, rock. However, in my little area, we've actually found that there are deposits of rock where there is nitrogen in the rock. So if mm -hmm. you crush that rock and you were to apply it as a supplement mm -hmm. with a natural fertilizer, it will actually slow-release nitrogen. 
I'm curious okay. if you've seen that in other areas. Um, no, no, no. I have, no, I haven't seen that, but uh, it's uh, the rock dust is being applied as a you know as a slow releasing fertilizer, organic fertilizer, and it mostly comes right. from you know right. crushed you know phosphorus or whatever. So that's you know that that's the whole point of if you have a, a good if you have rocks that are rich in minerals, then you know your soil will benefit. But it also all depends in how those uh, minerals are, are those minerals available to the plants? Okay, so maybe you know if there is no water and there is no biological activity and there is no you know uh, decomposition of that rock, maybe they you know maybe it won't be uh, available to the plants at all. Uh, moisture plays a, a big uh, uh, role in, in, in the availability of those minerals, and you know the biology. Yeah, if a person goes to a conference like you at uh, Acres USA, and the exhibitors are going to be hundreds of them that will each have their own unique um, soil additive that will many times be from rock um, crushing and all kinds of sources, algae, others. But mm -hmm. my, you know, and and you're right. It can be everything from phosphorus to to calcium, magnesium, micronutrients. But what was interesting about this rock at my place is that nobody else, at least, had talked about and heard about a source of that crushed rock mm -hmm. being nitrogen, which is. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I did. I did hear about that. So let's let's yeah. go. All right. Um, well, anybody other questions, you guys? Throw some in. Throw up. Throw in some ones if your thanks. If you really liked what what uh, William did here today, he, I'm sure he would appreciate that. So. A um, bunch of people giving you ones and saying thank you. Um, if you've got any other questions, throw them in. Otherwise, William, what do you say you're going to kind of focus on next time? Again, two weeks from now. Remember, everybody. So. It's going to be soil, uh, vegetation, and then different. You know, recognizing different microclimates, uh, different ecosystems or land systems, and or, and, and you know, sectors. Actually, awesome. kind of trying to summarize the findings and, and interpreting you know what interaction of all those things means. Very cool. Well, it looks like there don't have any other questions. Lots of people saying thanks and saying good night or good day and so on. Um, and we've got remember everybody, we've got uh, uh, I'm doing another webinar later today on microgreen fodder later if you want to come to that. Mark is going to be tomorrow evening about forest ecology. Evan Folds will be before him tomorrow and then we'll also have two sessions on Thursday. So we still got a lot ahead of us this week if you want to come live or uh, get replays. So William, okay. thank you so much and you, have fun doing your presentation that's recorded tomorrow for Amanda for uh, for her summit and yeah. um, we'll look forward to a couple weeks from now. Thanks okay. everybody. Bye. Stop recording here right now. Hey, everybody. I bet you enjoyed that immensely. That was one of our most amazing presentations here at the EAT community. Please look forward to our next podcast in the very near future, and we look forward to seeing you again on the EAT community podcast.